0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. <clears throat> we, uh, we continue our journey in First Peter, if you want to find First Peter in your Bible. It's right before Second Peter, by the way. <laughs> way. Uh, chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Uh, let's just stop right there. Amen, guys? Amen. <laughs> End of sermon. Let's go home. <laughs> I'm not sure what y'all are laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> they should be laughing, right? <laughs> wow, we could, we could spend several days on that, on that uh, first opening uh, verse there, couldn't we? Yeah. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husband. So um, in Ephesians 5.21, it says, uh, Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And so the word submit and submission has kind of gotten a, a bad name. Uh, it's a military term in the Bible. It means to get behind someone and help them be successful. It's uh, soldiers lined up, and the, the sergeant or the general, the colonel, whoever says, let's go this way, and everybody says, let's go this way. And they fall in line. But the idea is to make someone successful in what they're trying to do. So when we think about the word submissive here, as we think about the other verses that follow, it means help your husband be successful. And so to do that, you need to know what it takes for your husband to be successful in what he's doing. That's what the scripture is saying. So whatever it is your husband is trying to accomplish in life, come along beside him and help him be successful. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words. All right. and remember, Peter's talking about dealing with life in difficult times. He's talking about dealing in life when there's persecution. That's, that's why he wrote um, this letter to some friends. Uh, around 64, 65 AD, the church was under persecution. Uh, the Jewish nation was under persecution. And he was writing this to say, here, this is how we act in persecution. And so apparently uh, some, of the, some of the wives were coming to Christ and their husbands were not following along because it wasn't a cool thing to do. They didn't understand uh, who was this Jesus. And so what Peter's saying is, look, you came to Christ, you were lost, you came to Christ and now your husband's lost and <clears throat> you need to do whatever you can to point him to Jesus. And he's giving them some examples here. So they may be won over without words. You know, it's amazing how many people can be won over without words. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, We're supposed to share the gospel all the time. Sometimes we use words, is what someone has said at some point. And I know in my life, as a teenager, there were people in my life that, that won me over to Christ in Christ-like attitude, sometimes without their words. And one of those people I want to mention this morning, his name is Harold Baker. He was... Um, is my spiritual father uh, he's in hospice now I got to go down and see him this week in Macon, Georgia and was able to talk to him and laugh and cut up and uh, he was in the hospital bed there when I walked in I leaned over and took his hand and, and I said Mr. Baker I said uh, do you remember me he looked up and said Jim Toole you're going bald <laughs> <laughs> well thank you you're already bald <laughs> that's the kind of man he was right and so uh, i watched his life and uh, my family never went to church when i was a teenager but we lived two doors down from the bakers and they had three sons and uh, we were all about the same age and and so for three years until i had my own car they took me to church five times a week very active youth group sunday morning sunday night wednesday night friday night youth group and saturday morning we went bus visitation and then knocking on door visitation every week and so we would all pile in their car and go and so i just want to give a shout out to mr baker and to all the mr bakers and mrs bakers harold and jane are their names in the world who have led me and others uh, by their actions by how they treated one another and um, you know they they went through hard times and i saw mr baker cry when he got fired from his job uh, wrongly fired from his job and We all sat at the table, all of us, and him weeping. I thought, man, I've never seen this before. he said, you know, I forgive those people, and God's going to have a plan for us. And sure enough, he did. Then a couple of weeks, he had another job. Just that kind of family that showed me the way. They've had bumps in the road, just like all families. They weren't perfect. But they demonstrated without words what it meant to follow Christ. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Ladies, I want you to know it's okay to adorn yourself a little bit. Okay? It's all right. What Peter's talking about is not, it's wrong to have makeup and wear nice clothes and everything. He's saying there's something deeper inside of you that needs to come out, is what he's saying. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Now, men, this is not an excuse to not buy your wife's gold jewelry
1: mm-hmm.
0: or diamonds. Amen? Amen. Double, Double amen. As as what was that? As long as she's submissive. As long as she's submissive. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, we know that you're sitting by yourself, Jerry, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. This is being recorded though. We'll send it to her. So right, it <laughs> Instead, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Emphasis on quiet ladies, you know something <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> You're brave. You spoke up. That's, <laughs> in, that's impressive. <laughs> well, I'm batching it for the next two weeks So come on, Jerry's going to be there, you'll be there <laughs> We're going to line them all up here in a minute you to this, so you can have a Well, I did, you know, in a man cave and watch some football or something and <laughs> Gary hadn't said a word, y'all notice that, he's not said a word <laughs> Just sitting there, I'm, I'm not opening my mouth some men are smarter than <laughs> Oh no, oh no It's gone downhill quickly Maybe we should. We're, we're almost through with this section. Let's get Second Peter. Yeah, yeah. Oh my! Wow. Whew! I knew this was going to be rough getting through this, but I... the gentle, and quiet spirit is of great worth in God's sight, ladies. That. The gentle and quiet spirit that you have within you is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. So, ladies, in keeping with the scripture admonition this morning, we're going to practice this. So, wise if you would turn to your husband and say, Master, and call their name, I can't believe y'all actually did that (laughs) Brenda didn't do it (laughs) she's still she's still hurting for that other thing she's gonna get him back (laughs) the actual the actual interpretation of that word is not word master it's the word lord l-o-r-d yeah with the lower case (laughs) that ain't happening (laughs) And uh, actually in Genesis eighteen twelve, when this was used, it was actually the first time that the word Lord in lowercase was used. And there's always something about the first time a word is used in the scripture. And it goes back to the story where Abraham and Sarah were told they were going to have uh, a child. She was uh, like 90 years old and he was like 100, right? And, and they laughed. Remember the story? They both laughed. And Sarah got in trouble for laughing. Abraham didn't. I don't understand that. But that's a whole another sermon there. <clears throat> you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, husbands, it's your turn. The women get like five verses here. The man, well, yeah, just one verse, right? Oh, no, no, just one verse. <laughs> husbands, in the same way, be considerate. Be considerate. Put the toilet seat down. <laughs> Raise it up. Put it down. All right. Change the paper towels and the toilet paper from time to time. Be considerate. Do the laundry sometimes. Be considerate. Clean off the table. Put the dishes in the dishwasher, not on top of the dishwasher. Am I I getting close here? Pick up your clothes. Pick up your shoes. That ain't your mama you married. That's your wife you married. Your mama don't work here no more. Be considerate. Ask them how they're doing, how they're feeling. Be considerate. Ask them where they'd like to go out to eat and take them there. You know, I've told my wife, I'll take her to the best restaurants in Nashville. And one day I'm going to take her inside. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you, live your, as you live with your wives and treat them with, what's the word? Respect. Respect. Was a song about that, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, right? Yeah. Treat them with respect. As the weaker partner, uh, 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 uh. this sounds better in the passion translation. Listen, there's nothing weak about a woman, right? Amen. When you can push a nine-pound bowling ball through a straw, right? <laughs> and live to tell about it, <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? ain't no man ever done that well, I don't know there was one the, the other day that had anyway, I don't want to go there either <laughs> They say it's like having a kidney stone, but um, I, don't, I don't know if that's true or not you ask any woman, and I'm pretty sure they'll say I uh, know it's not. It's not talking about weaker in the sense of second class. what Peter's referring to is is it. Typically, a woman is not as strong physically over the long haul as a man is. That's what he's trying to say is, you know, be nice to him. Treat him with respect. And as heirs with you of the glorious gift of life. Wow. wow! Well, you see, in the culture of Peter, a woman was way down the list. You had, you had the man, you had sheep, you had goats, you had camels. You had children, then you had your wife, and then you had dogs. That's pretty much the the pecking order back in the day. And what Peter's saying is, no, 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 no. In Christ, they're equal with you. Wow. Wow, Jesus changed everything for women. It was a radical shift in thinking. He was saying men and women are spiritually equal in the sight of God. And there, there is no hierarchy for a woman to get to God. She can go straight there, as we call it, the priesthood of believers, which is a big fancy word for saying we can all go straight to God. We don't need a priest or a cardinal or a bishop or a pope to have a conversation with God. We just simply talk to him and he listens, right? And so he says she's, she's an heir with you of the same salvation you have, so treat her that way. We should treat all men, we should treat all women that way. They're heirs of the kingdom of God, right? That's what Peter's saying. As heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing, whoops, watch out, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Man, if your prayer life isn't what, it, a, what you want it to be, does it have anything to do with how you're treating your wife? It's right there in the Bible. It's real easy to read that. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Guys, if we're not treating our wives with respect, loving on them, listening to them, doting on them, whatever that looks like for you and your household. <coughs> if we're not respecting that they are heirs with Christ just like we are, then our prayer life's going to be hindered. And that's a strong statement Peter's making. You see, guys, if you want your prayer life to work, treat your wife right. With dignity and respect. Powerful verse. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Mm-hmm. He's going to give us a short list here of things to do. In the midst, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of persecution, he's saying, "Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another." I don't know that I've ever been in a more harmonious church than this right here. I don't think I ever have. It's just I tell people they ask me, "Tell me about your church." I say, "Sweetest church I've ever pastored." Everybody loves each other. They pass to one another, take care of one another. It's beautiful. Harmony. Be sympathetic. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessings. Because of this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. Peter's quoting Psalm 34 here now. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Just to reiterate this one more time. God's eyes are on your wife. God's eyes are on your husband. God's eyes are on your children and your parents, your grandparents. He's watching how we treat one another because he's watching his children. And so he's watching his children, how they treat his children. Does that make sense? So when you and your husband are standing there looking at each other, God's watching both of you because you're both his children. And he wants to know how, how are my children going to treat my children? There's no greater testimony, no greater testimony than a church body, a congregation that loves on one another and in tangible ways there's, there's no greater evidence of the power of Christ in our life than the way we love on one another just no, no powerful no more powerful witness than we can give right. that we love on each other and we demonstrate it in some way because God's eyes are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers unless husbands you you know it's that, that prayer life thing we talked about he's attentive to their prayers but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You never want to encounter the face of God when you're in the midst of doing evil. It won't end well. Uh, I don't know if you have, I'm sure everybody here has seen the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, it came out a long, long time ago. One of the first action-packed movies ever produced. And, and in the end, when they opened the ark up, you know, and the... And the angels come out and come around and, and they just dissolve everything, right? They dissolve all the bad guys, right? And the good guys are still left because they closed their eyes. They didn't look at the face of God. That's how it's going to be in the end, at the judgment day. Those who do evil and continue to do evil and pursue it, they're going to see the face of God and they will be dissolved and sent to eternal damnation. In Christ, we will never experience that. We will experience the face of God who looks at us and says, Enter in, my child, enter in. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Once again, he's talking about persecution. Do the right thing. It's always right to do right. Do the right thing in the midst of persecution. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Every day when you wake up, look in your heart and say, "Who's sitting on the throne? Am I sitting on the throne? Have I put someone else on the throne? Have I put an object on the throne? Or is Christ sitting on the throne of my life? Mm, that's, right. that's what Peter's saying. Who's sitting on the throne today? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. I was in a conference this week down in Atlanta, a two-day conference. And during one of the breaks, I went and spoke to this lady who had made some comments, and I just wanted to follow up on her comments. And, uh, and so I, I asked her, I said, so tell me about, uh, you know, what you were talking about. She said something, and I said, oh, that's great. And I brought up Jesus. I always like bringing up Jesus every chance I get. And she said, well... I think all paths, all paths lead to God. And, uh, and I mentioned the Quran. It was part of our conversation to mention the Quran. She said, Well, there's more in the Quran about Jesus than there is in the Bible about Jesus. This is a 40 year old woman in Atlanta, right? In the, in the buckle of the Bible belt. And I thought, How sad. She's, she hasn't read either one, or she would know. She said, I've done, I've done some research on all the religions, and they all, they all lead back to, to God. And, and then she made that comment, like, how sad. She's not read either the Quran or the Bible. But I was gracious and smiled. And I said, well, Jesus is the way, right? That's all we can say. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who, those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ they be ashamed of their slander it is better if it is god's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil for christ died for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to god he was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit so this morning are you trusting in jesus christ and him alone for your salvation Was there a time in your life when you said yes to Jesus? Mine was December 13th, 1970. Some of you weren't born then. Most of you weren't born then. And I said yes to Jesus. And then got involved in church, in a youth group. And God has been so good. We sang the song, and as we were singing, I was just going over all the ways that God has been so good to me to bring me to where I am today. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation? The scripture says, Christ died for sins once and for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. That's what salvation is. We die to ourselves and then we're raised to life for others. Christ died for me so that he could live through me on your behalf. And the same for you. He died for your sins so that he could live through you on my behalf and for the people we'll see in this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great plan of salvation. It was it was a genius plan, Father. Satan couldn't stop it. He couldn't stop it at all. He was confused, and he lost the great battle. And I thank you, Father, for the, for the great, brilliant, plan of salvation Jesus I just want to say thank you for taking the sins of the world into your body when you died on the cross thank you Jesus what a blessing you've been so good and you continue to be so good to us Holy Spirit I just invite you now I welcome you now to come have your way with us lead us into salvation lead us if that's what we need lead us into living out our faith if that's what we need Holy Spirit, give us a word to go give to somebody else this morning, something they need to hear, a word of encouragement. Holy Spirit, come and heal those who need healing, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.